Hey, we're all looking to save, especially on medical bills, but where do you start? Now, unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings, well, it can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and they flag errors like overbilling or wrong codes and fraud. And you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, saving starts with knowing where to look. Go to their website. It's HealthLock.com today before you see any other healthcare provider. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Are you being influenced? Well, if you watched the blockbuster film in the last decade, well, then there's a chance it has been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Now, here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. Now, in Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, well, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free when you go to the website, hollywoodtakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. If you're like me and suffer from insomnia, you know what? That's not fun. You know, I tried everything. I couldn't get a good night's sleep. And this is neither drug nor alcohol induced. That's right. It is my pillow. Mike Lindell invented it. And he fitted me for my first my pillow. And it's changed my life. I fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer. And the good news, you can too. Just go to MyPillow.com, promo code Sean. And take advantage of one of Mike Lindell's best offers, his special four-pack. You get 50% off two MyPillow premium pillows to go anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow's made in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee, no risk to you, and a 10-year warranty. You don't want to spend more sleepless nights on a pillow tossing and turning that's not working for you. Just go to MyPillow.com right now, use the promo code SEAN, and you get Mike Lindell's special four-pack. You get two MyPillow premium pillows, two go-anywhere pillows, 50% off, and you'll start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep-healing and recuperative sleep you've been craving and deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Sean. All right, here we go. Glad you're with us. 69 days to go. The single most important midterm election in your lifetime. Write down our toll-free number. We'd love to hear from you today. It's 800 800- 941 Sean if you want to be a part of the program. You know there are certain things we don't talk enough about and that's success. And that is it should be what drives elections. For the Democrats we know what this their 2018 midterm election strategy is. They want they're not going to tell you they want to impeach the president. They're not going to tell you they want endless investigation. We went through the whole list earlier this week. I won't repeat myself, which I often do, because it's the only way to make points. They want, in spite of it, they calling it crumbs, they have they have said publicly they want to rescind the tax cut. They want their crumbs back. They want to abolish ICE. They want open borders. They want to keep Obamacare. They want to end the investigation into the abuse of power, which I'll get into some, some great detail as the program unfolds today. 
This has been an eye-opening week, and the details of Bruce Orr's testimony are, are just beginning to fully sink in. But I got to start with one other thing. How many of you have heard from your beloved media? I, I actually love the media. By the way, this is great. Look out the window there, Linda. Do you see a drone flying overhead? Pretty amazing, actually, to watch something like that. Um, but anyway, so how many of you know this week that in Iran, saying, Hannity, what does Iran have to do with the election? The parliament in Iran voted this week for censure of the president, Rahani, Rahani is his name, Hassan Rahani, after his explanations of the country's economic strife under U.S. sanctions. Their economy, and nobody's reporting it, is collapsing. And the odds are getting greater every day that the regime will collapse with it. And it was seen as a sure sign that more pragmatic leadership is on the horizon for the people of Iran. And literally, hardliners are losing what is, you know, their grip and their hold on power. But because we have a fake, fraudulent news media, they're just loath to report it all. But this is all a direct result of the president pulling out of Obama's ridiculous, insane, dumbest deal in history. $150 billion dropped on the tarmac for mullahs that hate America and chant death to America, death to Israel, and burn our flag. But the president putting these sanctions in place has been so incredibly successful that what we're watching now is Iran's oil industry, which is their largest source of cash, is now being brought to their knees. And don't think now that it's an accident that America is the biggest producer of, of oil now in the entire world. And this is what we should have done the minute these maniac mullahs started leading their people in their death to America chants every Friday afternoon. Now, in May, the Trump administration reimposed the sanctions on Iran following the withdrawal from that dumb 2015 nuclear deal backed by the threat of secondary sanctions against any country that continues to buy oil from them. So far, the, ca the campaign is effective. The first half of August, Iran's oil ex exports fell by 600,000 barrels per day. That's plunging from 2.32 million barrels to 1.68 million barrels. And Iran's exports have been falling all year, and they've now reached their lowest level in four months by July, before taking a real plunge in August. Major customers, by the way, include South Korea. They've suspended imports. China, despite some defiant posturing in the face of you know, U.S. challenges, they've scaled back their purchases. China has given no sign that it's going to comply with the U.S. directive. Reports indicate that they're willing to at least halt any increase in Iranian purchases after the sanctions are reimposed on November the 4th. This is a big deal. And, the, the you know, but the big cuts were by India, which is Iran's second largest Im importer. They reduced their purchases from 706 thousand barrels per day to 203,000 barrels per day in the first two weeks of August. And India seemingly is pivoting towards new sources of supply, including American crude, to make up the difference. Well, that means you know, this, this has always been the key to American foreign policy success. It is amazing to me. Why do you think all these years, for those of you who have listened to this program, 
Why have I always pushed energy, 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 energy independence? You want to bring the hostile regime of Russia to its knees? Produce energy. That is it. That is the lifeblood of their economy. It's the lifeblood of the economy in the Middle East. It's the lifeblood of the Iranian economy. It's the lifeblood of any economy, energy. And we've got more oil, more coal, more natural gas than all of these countries combined. And the problem has been we've allowed environmental extremism in the Democratic Party to stop and stifle and burden the production of energy, which is the lifeblood in this world today. And now we can not only not only are we able to provide for our allies the energy they need for their economies, but more we can be energy self-sufficient. And more importantly, it has foreign policy residual impacts like maybe bringing Putin to his knees and the Iranians to their knees. And the Chinese will, will, wanna, will certainly want to be good friends with us. So you don't hear about these things. It's a big deal. It's interesting. We see the U.S. economy second quarter got revised upward to 4.2%, according to the Commerce Department. And that included that uh, business investments were stronger than initially estimated and that the U.S. economy is growing faster than even previously reported in the second quarter. And the U.S. economy now has grown at a, a faster than initially estimated rate. According to the Commerce Department. So that's good news. You don't hear that good news. Now, the president announced this week the U.S.-Mexico trade agreement. Well, what's fascinating about this is Prime Minister uh, Trudeau of Canada, he's rushing to get in on the action. Washington Examiner reports that Trudeau said yesterday that, or I'm sorry, earlier today, that it was possible that Canada would reach an agreement by the end of the week with the U.S. and Mexico to sign off on their recent bilateral trade deal. The last thing that Canada wants is out. They need the U.S. economy. And all the bluster of Trudeau in Canada and, and talk of boycotting American farmers, that didn't go over very well. It's pretty amazing how quickly. You know, this is what people don't understand about Trump. I've told even conservative friends, of mine, I just disagree with him on trade. I said, sit tight. He doesn't want a trade war. He's negotiating. Everything he does is a negotiation. I, I, I have no doubt he negotiates the tie he wears every day. And the same thing with NATO paying their fair share. Now they're stepping up and paying more. That's less burden on us, the American taxpayer. Why do we have to pay 71 cents of every dollar for NATO? You know, why should our European allies be taking advantage of us on trade or the Canadians or the or, or south of the border in Mexico? Why should we allow that? If we do, we're dumb. The idea that somebody takes, you can't negotiate if you say, pretty, pretty please, listen, it's not fair. Would you mind? They're not going to respond to that. You got to say, no, we're cutting off all trade. We're going to put tariffs on your stuff just like you're putting on ours. And then all of a sudden, the fear gets reversed. Everybody in life is so subject to fear in every aspect of their lives. You can't live your life in fear. You know, you can't live your life you know, by what other people think of you. You know, my daughter's uh, getting a, a car. She's now turn, turning 17. And she's like, she gives me, well, I don't want this car because people will say this. I'm like, I don't care what people think. Don't live your life by what people think. It doesn't matter what people think. What matters is, is for me as a father, is it a safe car? That's my only criteria. Is it safe? And because I can afford it, is it the safest? That's my only criteria. 
That's the only thing I care about. I don't care about the color, the interior. I don't care what people think of it. I don't care. Is it a safe car? You know, it's just simple. You can't live your life. So many people live their lives in fear. Their fear of their boss, fear of their friends and their neighbors and what everybody thinks about. Forget it. You can't live. That's one thing Trump doesn't care what some people think of him. More economic news. Yesterday, we told you consumer confidence is at an 18-year high. U.S. workers now report the highest job satisfaction rate since 2005. That was in the Wall Street Journal today. Um, We've got the U.S. economy logging their best performance now in nearly four years with the adjusted GDP. American companies, you know, there's a story about Tiffany and Company. Now, I guarantee you most of you don't give a flying rip about Tiffany and Company. They sell pretty expensive, what, jewelry and rings and engagement. I don't know what they sell. You know, the glasses. I don't know what they sell. I have no idea. But anyway, they're doing well and they're raising prices because business is good. You know, they're known for the blue boxes that they put in, you know, put their items in. Good for them. Their jewelry retailer sales went up 12% from a year earlier. That's real money. Guess what? The people at Tiffany still have jobs. The people that produce this, they're still still doing well. And probably the best economic statistic I can throw at you today is that there's no question, you know, all, all these buy. You know, New York and Washington elites, Illinois, we can add them to the list. San Francisco, Los Angeles, Seattle, you know, that all the people that predictably hate the president. We don't hear too often from the rest of America. We hear a lot from Hollywood. Well, somebody finally took the time to actually poll the forgotten men and women and, and the people that get up every day and work hard and produce the goods and services that people want, need and desire and the people that make the country work and raise their kids and obey the laws, it turns out more than 80% of them are ecstatic the way President Trump is running the economy. Remember the scene with Mr. Potter and uh, Jimmy Stewart, and it's a wonderful life? And he'd, I have no idea why my father built this penny down, you know, uh, you know, uh, penny, what did he call it? It was a loan place that he had. I have no idea why he built this place. But at least he gets people out of your slums, Mr. Potter, and they're going to have two bedrooms and a bath because they do most of the work in and most of the labor and most of the living and dying. And you know what? People like it. It's, it's the same thing. Why, why don't we ever think about the men and women that work hard every day, make the country great, obey the laws, raise their kids, pay their taxes? You know, let's get government off their back. And if we're energy independent, well, guess what? Millions of high paying career jobs are for them. And it's helping our national security. And it's helping our allies. You know, while we're thinking about it, why don't we, you know, also, you know, bring manufacturing back to the country? You know, the jobs that Obama said are never coming back. Well, they're coming back. Thank God they're coming back. All right, we're going to go over the elections from yesterday. Who is the mayor of Tallahassee endorsed, supported by uh, Bernie Sanders? We'll tell you who Andrew uh, Gillum is, the mayor. And what he stands for, there's going to be a big, big wins in Florida yesterday by Ron DeSantis and by the current governor, Rick Scott, who's running for the Senate down there. Florida is going to be a very important state to watch in 69 days. And I'll tell you why as we continue. By the way, Linda, as quick as she is, got me the transcript for It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, Mr. Bailey says to Potter, 
Just a minute. Hold on, Mr. Potter. Just a minute. Now, you were right when you say my father was no businessman. I have no idea why he ever built this cheap penny ante building alone. I'll never know. But neither you nor anybody else can say anything against his character because his whole life, it's been 25 years that he started this thing with Uncle Billy. He never once thought of himself. And he didn't have enough money to send me to school or Harry to school, his brother. Uh, but he did help a few people get out of your slums, Mr. Potter. And what's wrong with that? Aren't they better citizens? Don't they make better customers? What did you say? They had to wait and save their money? Wait for what? Until their children are grown? Wait until they're so old and broken down? You know how long it takes a working man to save five grand? Remember this, Mr. Potter, that rabble you're talking about. They do most of the working and paying and living and dying in this community. Is it too much for them to have to work and pay and live and die in a couple of decent rooms and a bath? Well, anyway, my father didn't see, think so. People were human beings to him. But to you, a warped, frustrated old man, they're cattle. Well, in my book, he died a richer man you'll ever be. With only a kite, a house key, and wet hemp string, Benjamin Franklin captured lightning in a bottle. Over 260 years later, with a little resourcefulness, ingenuity, and grit, we're not only capturing energy from the sun and wind, we're storing it, ensuring Americans have the energy they need whenever they need it. Learn more about the nation's leader in energy storage at nexteraenergy.com. And the most bizarre thing in all of that good economic news I mentioned to you, I didn't mention record low unemployment, consumer confidence, what, 18-year high. It's unbelievable. Every demographic. All right, so I think the most interesting race is the comeback of Ron DeSantis, a massive win for him and an overwhelming win for him down in Florida to be the next governor to replace Rick Scott, who's running in the Senate, who won overwhelmingly also yesterday. But one of the more interesting developments is that a surprise victory for the 39-year-old mayor of Tallahassee, his name is Andrew Gillum, and he's running on a progressive platform, Medicare for All, $15 minimum wage endorsed by Bernie Sanders and his other progressive billionaire, Tom Steyer, uh, and and his whole group. He made a significant investment, a million dollars into the guy's campaign. He wants to abolish ICE, support sanctuary cities, defend Syrian refugees, wants to legalize marijuana, wants universal Medicare. uh, As it relates to the Second Amendment, Uh, He led the charge for gun policies, including a ban on assault weapons, large capacity magazines, uh, strengthening, requiring background checks and so on and so forth. And uh, when Florida Governor Rick Scott, you know, legislature tried to defund Planned Parenthood, he said they were jeopardizing women's health. Well, this is going to be an interesting gubernatorial race down in Florida. More when we get back. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Let me tell you what the problem with the Democratic Party. It's 69 days, and I am saying this is the most important midterm in our lifetimes. And I've been explaining, and I want this etched in everybody's brain so you understand the what is at stake here. Democrats aren't saying it but they want to impeach the president. And I expect that Robert Mueller is going to write a roadmap to impeachment should the Democrats, in fact, get control of the House of Representatives. They will use that 
as their justification. I think Mueller has decided a long time ago he's not getting Trump on anything related to the campaign or Trump Russia collusion or anything else. So he's just going to he's just going to put together a lot of innuendo and it's going to be known as the Mueller report. I'm 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 not sure if he even releases it now until after the election. Who knows? But we'll see. And then Giuliani's going to come out with the Giuliani report. But you know, the the left has a problem because they have they're now being literally there's no more moderates inside the Democratic Party. You know, guys like Joe Lieberman were at run out of the party a long time ago. You know, they, they used to have Scoop Jackson Democrats. They don't exist anymore. The Democratic Party is a hard left, unapologetic Nancy Pelosi, Maxine Waters, Gavin Newsom socialist party. You know, a Bernie Sanders party, that wing of the party. I actually believe that if Bernie had a fair shot, he could have actually won the primary against Hillary. And there's a reason that they were cheating him is because they were scared to death of the guy. And the fact that Bernie, you know, was reaching some young people and, you know, you can convince, you know, Winston Churchill famously saying, if you're 20 and not a liberal, you don't have a heart. If you're 40 and not a conservative, you don't have a brain. So there's a certain appeal to socialism and liberalism and redistributionism that and statism that is appealing to people that frankly haven't lived in the real world yet and don't understand that it doesn't work that freedom is the best system the capitalist system the initiative the opportunity to take whatever talents god gave you find them bring them to fruition produce goods and services that people want need and desire even if they don't know they want need and desire them yet and you're giving back to society and you're benefiting yourself and it tends to work out that if you pick the right profession and your interests guide you in the right area, that, you know, while you're serving other people, goods or services being produced and services rendered, then you're going to be helping other people while you yourself are benefiting financially and otherwise. You know, the left has a sense that that it's our role that, that they can take from one group of people and distribute it to another group of people, and then we're going to have equality. We have freedom. Every time the government gets involved historically in any way that they've been involved in any aspect, they've ruined pretty much everything. They haven't done a good job at pretty much anything. I'll give you an example. California is now pretty much it's become a one-party state. You got former San Francisco mayor Gavin Newsom who is looking to replace leftist Moonbeam Brown as the governor of the state of California, he's the odds-on favorite to win. And if he does, California voters are going to get a supersized helping of radical left-wing politics, especially, for example, in health care. Now, remember, the state of California, on top of your, what, 36, 7, 8%, 9%, I don't know, I, I'm ending up... This, that tax deal ended up costing me money, but um, it's not about me. Um, but if you add to that in New York, you pay another 9.9% or 10% of state income tax. Then you pay city tax and county tax. And you know, I live in the second highest property tax county in the entire country. It's, 
if I told most people, you'd, you, you, your eyes would roll in the back of your head. Unfortunately, my job keeps me in New York, and I don't want to pay these taxes. And if I die, you know, about 20% of my wealth will go to New York State on top of federal, you know, death taxes. It's ridiculous. They'll take the gold out of your teeth when you're in the ground. Um, I saw that, the, you know, the tribute to Aretha Franklin, they actually had pictures of, of on the front cover of a gold casket. I'm surprised the government didn't come in and say, no, we're going to ch- we're going to change this out for another one. And she was well fitting for one of the greatest singers of all time. And uh, somebody that will be missed. But it's like that. That's how the government is. Wait till the state plan. I read she doesn't have uh, th- that. She didn't have a will. And it's like now the government's going to decide. Anyway, which is National Make-A-Will Month with our friends Legal Zoom, But the point is government wants to take and take and take and take. You pay your whole life. Whatever you save, you think you get to keep and give to whoever you want. Maybe a charity. Maybe your kids. Maybe your grandkids. Maybe you want to set up a trust for your grandkids. But you can't. Because then the government comes in and they, you have to pay for dying. You're taxed for dying. It's ridiculous. The Steinbrenner family would have lost there was one year there was no federal death tax, one. And that was the year that George Steinbrenner died. If he didn't die that year, the family probably would have lost the New York Yankees. Now, dying shouldn't take, you know, something like the Yankees out of the hands of the people that own it. But it probably would have. Anyway, but I digress. If California, you know, assuming Gavin Newsom wins and he's probably going to win... In California, because it has gone so solidly left. Anyway, he was on some uh, podcast somewhere, and he was asked about his health care plans. And Gavin Newsom made clear that he wants a single-payer system that is for everybody in the state of California. Remember, California is a sanctuary state. San Francisco is a sanctuary city. And it's a, the whole state is a sanctuary state, which means that they don't want to obey federal law. And especially on immigration, and even in the case of somebody that's in our criminal justice system that should be deported, they purposely don't tell ICE so they can't deport the person. So they're basically aiding and abetting a state policy, city policy in other places, law-breaking. If you don't like the laws, change the laws, but the laws are what they are. The president has made as big an offer, I think, as anybody on the issue of immigration. But anyway, he says in this podcast I'd like to see if we can control our own destiny. He said, I'm not naive about it. I did universal health care when I was the mayor of San Francisco, fully implemented regardless of pre-existing conditions, ability to pay, or regardless of your immigration status. And Newsom goes on to say, you know, to gush about like free health care, even if you're not a citizen. Quote, San Francisco is the only universal health care system for all undocumented residents in America. And I'm very proud of that. We proved it could be done without bankrupting the city. And I'd like to see that we can extend that to the rest of the state. Asked specifically about the financing. Well, he said that other developed countries spent less overall on health care. He said it's the transitions that that is the challenge. And it's, you know, going from something old to something new where the white water is. Whatever that means. But the point is, you get it. This is the now the Democratic Party of today. And I don't know the mayor of Tallahassee, but I do know that he was being supported by Bernie Sanders and left-wing billionaires. And we do know from the Miami Herald, George Soros, by the way, 
He got some money from him and supporting progressive groups like New Florida Majority. You know, literally, they, they helped push him over the top. And he won against the favorite in that race, who was Congresswoman Gwen Graham, who came in just behind Gillum in the primary vote. But his website is very clear. Abolish ICE, supporting sanctuary cities, you know, legalizing marijuana, universal Medicare, you know, believes health care should be a fundamental right, believes that Senator Sanders Medicare for all plan is going to help lower costs and expand coverage to more Floridians. Let me tell you one thing. You might talk about some other countries, but they don't have the population of the United States. You know, he has very strict Second Amendment views and so on and so forth. I'm like, this is now the Democratic Party. And if you look in this election, this in 69 days, this is what is in play. This is what's at stake. Number, number one, they don't have a positive issue that they're running on. You know, like, oh, we'll do this to make the country a better place. They're not running on anything positive. No, they want to impeach Trump. They want open borders, eliminate ICE. They want to keep Obamacare, probably even expand it. They want their crumbs back because they all they want is money so they can tax us into oblivion. And that's what the future of the country is about. And I know that it is, by the way, the GOP is eyeing another shot at Obamacare repeal. And David Perdue is saying the president is never going to sign a massive omnibus spending bill again. And now it's just a matter of whether or not the Republican Party can step up. And I would recommend that they do some sort of promises to America that would include the president's agenda on energy, on tax cuts, on judges, on foreign policy, on everything. Because that's certainly not what the what the Democrats are going to run. They're running on Trump hatred. They're fueled by it. They can't stop it. Doesn't matter. We now know the FISA court judges were lied to. It doesn't matter. You know, it's uh, it's a very scary time. I don't have a feel yet for how this election is is likely going to go. I don't know. You know, I'm looking at um, John Dowd was on Fox and Friends today, and he's the the president's former defense attorney. He actually said this morning that in November of 2017, Robert Mueller had personally assured him that he'd uncovered no White House wrongdoing in the Russia investigation and pledged to wrap up his probe by early 2018 at the latest. But then Dow said, I'm afraid I've just lost all respect for Bob. He didn't keep his word. He should have declined this case back in November at the latest. And then he said, you know, that he was going to get it done. He's the one that asked for the witnesses, meaning Don McGahn, and the president's lawyer, the White House counsel, he's the one that asked for the documents, $1.4 million. He told us that everybody had told the truth. He told us he didn't need any more documents. Now he says, I'm afraid we're now into Comey Part 2. That's not good. You know, listen, Greg Jarrett had a great column, you know, about, about you know, Bruce Orr, the Clinton, the Comeys of the world. You know, remember that the FBI director, Comey, took from the field offices the Hillary Clinton email case. Well, that's why she got away with the biggest obstruction of just in case, justice case in history. Same is true of the Trump-Russia case. You know, the very people that cleared Clinton of the many crimes we know she committed started the so-called collusion investigation. We have no evidence. Now we're into taxi medallions. And loan applications and paying taxes from years gone by, which everyone should pay their taxes and not lie on a loan application. I get it. 
But now it's about destroying the president, which is what the Democrats want to do. But they're not telling you that's what they're going to do. And 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 Mueller's going to help them. Mueller, right now, as we speak, I guarantee you, along with deciding whether to subpoena the president, is writing what will be the Mueller report, which is going to be a roadmap to impeach the president that they all hate in the deep state. You know, it's uh, that all of this new information, Clinton campaign funding, you know, through funneled money to Fusion GPS, a foreign national, with a dossier that even he recognized as a lie. Now we learned yesterday after the testimony of Bruce Orr, he bypassed his superiors, although he did tell the FBI, we're told. By the way, he's never been interviewed by Mueller. That's amazing. 63 pages of text, emails, and handwritten notes. All this contact, or became the, the go-between after he was fired from the FBI for lying and leaking his phony report that he didn't even stand by on his own, you know, breaking the law and FBI procedures in the process, or was basically the conduit. You know, remember, Steele... You know, records show that he said he was desperate that Donald Trump not get elected, was passionate about him not being president. And then he also, we learned, and we'll have more on this tonight, too, is that that Christopher Steele was desperately trying to get his his own lies in the hands of Robert Mueller. It's unbelievable. You know, they, they were all, it appears, the FBI, Clinton's campaign, all working in concert. Not only to stop a president from being elected, but then to destroy such person because they were mad that he won, meaning Trump. And by the way, you know, all the money, by the way, if you pay a foreign source, that's a thing of value. That's illegal. Anyone looking at the Federal Elections Campaign Act, you should read Greg Jarrett's column on this. And documents show Steele keeps feeding the FBI all these phony applications, trying to get in touch with Robert Mueller through Robert Orr. I'm sorry, through, yeah, I'm sorry, Steele trying to get in touch through Bruce Orr, through, to get to Robert Mueller. can't even remember all these names. It's so corrupt. You know, it's all raw intelligence. He said so under the threat of perjury. You know, and Orr says yesterday it's contents. We knew we couldn't bring it to a court of law, but they brought it to the American people and fed it to them so that the American people would be lied to in the lead up to an election. All right, glad you're with us. 69 short days to go. And yes, this is the most important midterm election in our lifetime, in your lifetime. One of the things I am proposing is that I think it's pretty important is that Republicans need to nationalize this election. And to nationalize it. I'm, I'm sorry, Linda is in my Linda in my ear. How are you? What's going on? I'm good so sorry. I'm just getting the speaker who is in Rome right now. Bear with me one moment, sir. Uh, thank you, ma'am. It's so good to talk to you, operator. Thank you very much. This call is being, not being recorded. If it is, it's in one party state. Okay. Um, just kidding. So anyway, the only way to do it, I think, is to nationalize the election. Democrats want open borders. We know that. Democrats also, we know they they we know where they stand on taxes. They want their crumbs back. We know they want to impeach the president. We know they want Obamacare. We know that their policies have failed because we just experienced eight years of this type of failure. So the more the Democrats lean so solidly to the left, and I just described Gavin Newsom's policy out in California, uh, we see Florida, the Democratic Party. This is the base of the Democratic Party. They elected to represent them for governor 
a person who has a radical left-wing socialist Bernie Sanders agenda. But if you nationalize the election and you say and you put down on paper, you know, controlling the borders, lower taxes, limited regulation, less regulation, you know, for the common defense, then we'll be able to continue with the prosperity, which has been now the last 19 months. All right. The former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, he actually did this once before. It's called the Contract with America, brought Republicans to power for the first time in 40 years. He joins us apparently from Rome because he's living the life of luxury as his wife is the ambassador to the <laughs> Holy See and, and the Vatican. And, you know, um, but we, you know, we're, of course, you know, we're smelly Walmart people. According to Peter Strzok, we're just hanging out here doing our job every day. How is Italy? That's right. Well, Italy's fine. Have you I met have the Pope yet? Watching politics. Uh, yes, we have. But I have to tell you, watching politics in America right now is you, you can't imagine. I mean, you look at the Florida primary and the Democrats go as far to the left as they can. They get a mayor whose administration is under FBI investigation for corruption. Uh, he is for every possible left wing destructive idea that Bernie Sanders has come up with. Uh, and that's the guy they want to run uh, against uh, the nominee who Donald Trump has endorsed. It's, it's really an astonishing choice. And I think it's actually a pretty good setup for 2020. I think the Florida governor's race may be the model for how the idea debate and the policy debate is going to occur in 2020. Well, what about... I agree for 2020, but I'm more interested in 69 days. Um, I don't know if you saw what Gavin Newsom actually said in an interview that he wants to be able to control the, his own destiny out in California. And as mayor, he implemented literally universal health care and he wants to do it for the entire state of California, which I think is cost prohibitive. And then you got this guy that won down in Florida. And as I look at his website, it is the most left wing website I think I've ever seen, which, by the way, is report, which is which is, you know, fine. I mean, but, you know, it's not my I don't believe it works. And I think we tried it under Obama and it failed. Well, let's go back to to Newsom, because he is the, I think, test case of the whole system. Newsom has said he wants to provide universal health care to people who are here illegally. Now, there are two problems with that. Uh, one is that, as Doug Holsekin, the former uh, head of the Congressional Budget Office, said, uh, universal health care for illegal immigrants in California is probably a 35 to $42 billion a year, every year, hit on the taxpayers. Um, but in addition, ask yourself this common sense question. If everybody on the planet learns that Senator Feinstein has an open border bill where anybody who wanted to could come to the U.S., and Gavin Newsom wants to make sure that they get free health care, you're going to have a brand-new concept called medical refugees. And every person who ends up with a serious illness is going to say, I need to go to California. So my guess is, and I don't have any data on this yet, I've asked several economists to look at it, my guess is you're going to double or triple the number of people who are um, trying to enter the U.S. illegally, uh, particularly if it's an open border, uh, in order to get on Gavin Newsom's tax-paid uh, free health care. And I, I mean, the, the level of bankruptcy would be unimaginable. 
Well, I mean, we've proven with Obamacare that this is not sustainable. I mean, that's the point of it. But, I mean, I, look, their agenda is clear. I, I don't think you have any doubt that you agree with me. Do you agree that they want to impeach Trump, but they're just telling everybody don't say it? Sure. Well, then a lot of them are saying it anyway. But, yeah, of course they want to impeach Trump. Trump is the end of their world. Look, look what Trump is doing just with judges. Uh, where he and Mitch McConnell have worked together, and they have set an all-time record for the number of new judges approved, and then moving the judiciary back to actually respecting the Constitution. I mean, if you're a left-winger, this is this is the beginning of the end of your world. And, of course, they want to impeach him. Right? We need to understand, these people are not playing games. Uh, they want to radically change America, and they want to destroy the president, uh, and they want to make sure that the rest of us have to obey them or risk going to jail. You know, so if that's true, that that's what they want to do, and yeah, all these investigations into the biggest abuse of power stops, I don't know how closely you've been following what happened yesterday with Bruce Orr. It will take me too long to go into it all, but those deep state investigations will stop. We know that Nancy Pelosi and Elizabeth Warren, they want, they, they, they called the tax cuts crumbs, but they want the crumbs back. They want to eliminate ICE. They want open borders. We know they want to keep Obamacare. And we know that they're not proposing one thing that's going to help the American people improve their lives or the, or the economic health of the country or help protect the country. So to me, the, you know, it's a very clear choice. But what is the best way to communicate that to the American people? That's what you're great at. Well, look, I, I think, first of all, facts matter. And I think the American people can be dealt with as adults and can be told facts. And I think it does sink in. Uh, Reagan's entire campaigns were based on uh, telling people the facts and telling them cleverly, telling them in an appealing way, but nonetheless sticking to the facts. And I think that when you look at that, um, you know, uh, just take for example, the new Democratic nominee in Florida apparently has already come out and said he wants the highest business tax in all of in, all, in the entire South. Well, that's a great way to say to people, why don't you leave Florida and kill jobs in Florida and increase unemployment? Um, Gavin Newsom's proposals for uh, universal health care for legal immigrants would require such huge tax increases. California is already too expensive. Businesses are already fleeing California. Under the Newsom plan, uh, there will be a devastating impact on jobs in California. And I think you have to we, we, people people who care about the country's future, have to be prepared in the next uh, two months to have a very fact-based campaign. Uh, and, and I think the challenge, you know, the left is going to want to be very emotional, and they're going to be very symbolic. And they're, going to want, they're going to chant things like socialism now or Medicare for all. But we have to walk through and convince the American people that when you look at the facts, you simply can't afford what they want to do. It will kill jobs. It will destroy the economy. It will eliminate your personal freedoms, uh, and it will leave America a dramatically more vulnerable and more dangerous place. Listen, it's scary what it could possibly become. I spent a lot of time, as you know, in 2016, going over the eight years of Obama. We've actually now turned 14 states now of record low unemployment. Demographically, African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, Asian-Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment is at a 51-year low. We have more jobs than we have people available than people on on uh, food stamps and, and on, on unemployment lines in the country. 18-year high of consumer confidence, and I can keep going. 
That's how good it is. Well, I, look, I, I'm, I'm an optimist. I think the average American looks <laughs> I, I, I love how you say, I'm oh, an optimist. I'm sitting in Italy. I just had a glass of wine and a great deal, a dinner, I'm assuming. I don't know. No. And, and, Look, and I'm so I optimistic. I go back to the 1970s. I go back to the 1970s and Ronald Reagan. And I believe the American people are pretty smart. And the, the left believes the American people are stupid enough. You can tell them really dumb things and they'll believe it. And, and, and sometimes they will for three days. They don't believe it for very long. But I think the average American looks around and go, and you saw this with the, the numbers today on consumer confidence, the numbers today with job, the highest job satisfaction, I think, in 15 years. Uh, and people are saying, let me get this straight. I like my job. Uh, I see my, my salary starting to go up. I see that the economy is growing, so I have a lot more job security. Uh, gee, I wonder if all this relates to Donald Trump. And I think what they begin to realize is that, that, that you know, Trump is succeeding. Let me, let me let me ask you this because because you're a charismatic figure. Um, I, I won't mention that I have handed the microphone in front of tens of thousands of people to some politicians, and they just suck. I mean, they'll meander, and they, all you have to say is, "I'm going to lower your taxes, protect your borders, conservative judges, and regulation that's burdensome and needless." You know, be tough on foreign policy with Iran. We're going to bring peace to the Middle East, whatever. And they're incapable. Donald Trump has charisma. You have charisma. Some of these people are literally afraid of their own shadows. So there are some people listening that are saying, Hannity, why should I vote for this rhino that's afraid of his own shadow over? Well, why should I get up and vote for him? Because Trump's not on the ballot. The most basic, I mean, the most basic and simple answer. The alternative to the worst Republican on the ballot is called Nancy Pelosi as speaker. I'll, t- I'll take the most inarticulate, most confused, and least educated Republican every time because they're a vote, they're a vote to keep Nancy Pelosi. That's how we created the majority of them. By the way, this is why people hate, hate – this is why Republicans hate people like me and you. Whether they hate us. You know there are a lot of your colleagues that hate you as much as they hate me. Because you're right. That is the best argument. You're the guy that could put together the contract that everybody should run on. And if they do it, they'll hold the House. I really don't have that many worries about the Senate. So, so I, but I, I want to go back to this, this, key, this key point for everyone who's listening tonight, uh, this afternoon. Look, the fact is, when we put together the contract in 1994, we didn't think our 50 weakest members were all that strong. But we figured they were at least as good as the 50 weakest Democrats. And it's, so our theory was a weak Republican is better than a weak Democrat. You're really... And I agree with you. We have, we have guys... No. We have guys... I think Mitch McConnell was brilliant one day. He said, he said, you know, if you can't explain tax cuts, you're in the wrong business. <laughs> There's a lot well, that the can't. Is, you gotta, you, you, That's, you know, um, listen... I, I am done with any pretense. I, I've given the Republicans over the years as many, more than the benefit of the doubt. But they have proven themselves to be pretty weak, spineless, visionless, and at times even pathetic. And you know it's true. But on the other hand, they're not Nancy. Donald Trump as president and, and Mike Pence as, as vice president. Yeah, they're succeeding. The Republican House and the Republican Senate will accomplish massively more than having Nancy uh, as, as the speaker. So my view is uh, any Republican 
will be better than any Democrat this year because there will be a vote against having Nancy Pelosi screw everything up. All right. When are you back in the States? We could use you back here. I'll be back next week. Are you going to stay for a while? Or are you I'll headed? be around. I'll, I'll be, be around. I'll be yeah, around. I'm, I'm, I'm bouncing back and forth. Like, well, what time is it? It's I'm like, what, 10, 20 or 9, 20? What, what time is it I in Italy? Uh, oh, in Italy right now, we're six hours ahead of you. Oh, so it's ten twenty at uh, night. Well, it's time to finish dinner. Sorry to get you yeah. up from the table at this late hour. No, no, no. Listen, I'm... <laughs> By <laughs> the way, don't take why, this the wrong... Why do I come on your show? But why you do shouldn't. I come on your show? You absolutely... You I don't know why you're friends with me. I wouldn't be friends with me at all. Uh, anyway, we uh, we miss well, you. Enjoy. <laughs> Send our to best to the to the to to Callista in the Holy See. Oh man, I wish I was in Italy right now. All right, we have time for a quick call here as we say hi to Ken in Silicon Valley. Ken, hi, how are you? Welcome to the show. Ken, are you hey, there? Sean. What's up, yeah, my I'm friend? There. Hey, Sean. Hey, I'm a Democratic. I'm a Democrat, and I'm a Hispanic Trump supporter. And I also, I'm a third-generation Silicon Valley native. Now, as a 35-year blue-collar union building trades member, I'm frustrated over the fact that year in and year out, our union bosses demand we vote for Democrats. Yet, the Democrats support open borders. And as a result, we've been losing our good-paying union jobs to illegal aliens by the tens and hundreds of thousands, depending on where you live. Listen, I am waiting for a transformation to happen. I, I hate the characterization Every election year, and Republicans, racist, sexist, homophobic, Islamophobic, you know, sexist, misogynist, you know, dirty air, water, kill grandma and kill the kids. Look, Republicans, if you if you look at who's benefited the most under the Trump economic policies, they're the people you're talking about. If you look at who suffered the most and disproportionately during the Obama years, it's the same thing. Don't you agree? Absolutely. This is a big story that no Democratic candidate wants to hear or talk about. I mean, these workers are low-hanging voters that Republicans need to speak directly to. Let me tell you something. That's who I am and who I've been. I kind of just got lucky because I have a big mouth. But honestly, that's what 2016 was about. It's what 2018 should be about and what 2020 needs to be about. Agreed. Do you trust the voting process in Arizona? Not right now. Not after Michelle Arndt had to drive 30 minutes to a new polling location this morning after being turned away because of technology issues. I think that so many votes are being lost because of the unorganization of the voting process. Obviously, there's been a massive failure once again. Brent Kleiman, another eager voter, turned away as well. It's just really frustrating because voting is so important. So many people get turned off by difficulty and they don't vote. This one uh, is a real problem. Adrian Fontes is the Maricopa County recorder in charge of elections. Well, I absolutely should uh, should be held accountable for this. Fontes said the issues lie with the contractor that didn't perform. And unfortunately, I think moving forward, I'm probably going to have to micromanage some of our partners. The contractor Insight issued a statement, though, that essentially said, we did our job. The problem's not with us. Because of all the issues, though, Fontes asked the Board of Supervisors to extend hours at 22 polling locations. The board said no and stated Fontes's office had, quote, no shortage of resources to run a successful election. They also said Fontes didn't notify them when he was aware of issues Monday. Voters, they don't care about the finger pointing. But someone's got to figure this system out better. Now, 
Now, in a statement tonight, County Recorder Fontes reiterated that his office is responsible, but he said they are conducting an investigation to determine the exact problem. We'll stay on top of this story and continue to get to the bottom of what happened and hold people accountable. Live in Phoenix tonight, Zach Crenshaw, ABC 15, Arizona. A number of polling locations with lines into the street tonight well past the 7 o'clock deadline. If you are still in line, if you got in line before 7 o'clock, you can still cast a vote. So why the wait? Here's what one voter told us near 17th Street in Highland. They are overwhelmed. They don't have enough people staffed. They don't have enough machines uh, or, or voting centers, I guess, for all these people. He claims several people were given a location online for their polling place, but when they showed up, they were told it was the wrong one. All right, here we are, Sean Hannity Show 24 now before the top of the hour. A lot, of, um, a lot to take and absorb out of yesterday's election. Number one, Ron DeSantis was down like 20 points, had a massive victory in the primary for Florida governor yesterday. Uh, also, very popular governor, Rick Scott, is now, he won his primary easily. He's running up against Bill Nelson. That seems like a, a Republican pickup in the state of, of Florida is possible. I think the most interesting part of the Florida primary in particular was the mayor of Tallahassee, uh, Mayor Andrew Gillum, shocking the Democratic rivals. He's a socialist supported by, oh, let's see, Bernie Sanders. So that's getting pretty interesting also. And uh, anyway, uh, we do have some anecdotal evidence that I want to share with you. Then we'll bring our, our pollsters into uh, all of this. We have more than 80 percent of blue collar workers. Notice I didn't say Republican or Democrat. Blue collar workers saying that Donald Trump has the country moving in the right direction. Uh, then you've got, you know, if you want to know how far left the Democratic Party has gone, well, in an interview on Tuesday of this week, Gavin Newsom is running for the Democratic uh, governor's seat out in California. I'd like to see, he actually said that he wants about health care, a single-payer system in California for everyone in the state, regardless of immigration status. Remember, out in California, they are a sanctuary state, not just a sanctuary city. I'd like to see if we can control our own destiny. I'm not naive. I did universal health care when I was mayor of San Francisco, fully implemented regardless of pre-existing conditions, ability to pay, regardless of your immigration status. So he's continuing about his free health care for illegal immigrants plan. He said San Francisco is the only universal health care system for all undocumented residents in America. We're very proud of that. We proved it could be done without bankrupting the city. I'd like to see if we can extend that for the rest of the state. Anyway, joining us now, John McLaughlin, pollster, founder of McLaughlin & Associates. Doug Schoen is also with us. Guys, welcome to the program. Great to be here. All right, what's your take from yesterday, John? Take, I mean, clearly the Republican Party's united behind President Trump. I mean, President Trump took uh, Congressman DeSantis, who had a very good platform in terms of his support for the president, et cetera, and went from behind against an elected statewide official to being a decisive winner in Florida with the majority of the vote. In contrast, when you look at Florida, you have uh, uh, Andrew Gillum, who's the most left-of-center candidate now running for governor, who's got problems in Tallahassee as a mayor in terms of crime and other other you know left-wing positions he has, where he beat the more moderate 
Democratic candidates, and but he only got a third of the vote. And more Republicans, the interesting part is the Democrats who talk about how their turnout was higher. You still had 1.6 million Republicans vote in the primary, only 1.5 million Democrats voted. So the excitement among the Republicans is good for them. The, the uh, contrast is very good for them in Florida. And now you're also getting the same thing in Arizona, where the majority of voters supported uh, Martha McSally, who was the first uh, female combat pilot to serve in the military, uh, and now she's a she's a successful congresswoman, and she's she's uh, got a majority of the Republicans behind her. And uh, you know, yesterday was a good day for the Republicans, and and the Democrats are going farther left, which really bodes for 2020, where their anti-Trump derangement syndrome is taking such an effect on them. They're putting up the most radical candidates in their primaries, and they're really going off in a position like you were talking about, uh, Gavin Newsom wanting to do uh, uh, universal health care coverage. No, you know what? I think they're really expressing their true views. I don't think they should change a thing right now. I think they should just keep going down the path (laughs) they're going down. Um, And Doug Schoen is, is literally, you know, infuriated by what I just said. Um, yeah, I think I, uh, would hope that the Democrats move to the center, uh, do not run on universal care, guaranteed jobs, higher taxes on the rich. I would say this, Sean, and I think it dovetails with what John said. I think we're having the first test of 2020 in Florida, a swing state, a pure Bernie Sanders, Tom Steyer, George Soros candidate who is for impeachment against a advocate of uh, Donald Trump who literally was nominated by and because of Donald Trump. So I think it'll be a very... I thought it had to do with the town halls that I did with him in Pensacola (laughs) and Tampa and in southwest Florida. I guess you're saying I had no impact at all. Great. I I know you were the one who told Donald Trump to endorse this. What do you mean you know that I said that? How do you know? You don't know what I've ever said or didn't say to the president. You're like the rest of the liberal fake news media. Your reaction suggests that I'm right. Um, No, all I said was I did three town halls with Matt Gates and Ron DeSantis. They were only town halls. They weren't campaign events. We did town halls together in those three cities. I'll I'll take you at your word. But suffice it to say, I would say in terms of the Mueller investigation and what you've been talking about every night on TV, uh, how this race plays out, how uh, DeSantis does uh, versus a pure Sanders impeachment candidate will be a harbinger of what will come not only when the Democrats take the House, which I think they will. So you think this is a bellwether race, the governor's race in Florida? I think it is the bellwether race for both impeachment and for 2020. And I think you will see the president and his allies make this the cause celebre of the year. Because, look, Gillum is not a good candidate. I, he doesn't reflect my views, my values. I am a moderate, not progressive Democrat. And he is campaigning on a pure resist platform. And DeSantis has been forthright in backing the president. And we will see. I think this is The greatest test of all. But I would say, John, in Arizona, we have an authentic moderate running in Kristen Sinema, and she's uh, seven, eight points ahead of Martha McSally. So from my point of view, that's all good. What do you think about the term? Before we get to Arizona, what do you think about what what Doug just said as it relates to this 
being an, uh, a telltale, this is going to be a defining race in the governor's race. And what did you what did you glean from the the turnout numbers from yesterday in Florida? Well, the turnout numbers, you knew the Democrats were always going to be high because the anti-Trump, the midterm effect. But the Republicans were higher. So they actually had more Republicans, both in Arizona and in Florida, come out and vote in their primaries than in the Democratic primaries, which is really important because the races that have gone on this year where the Republicans have lost, like the Alabama Senate race where they put up a bad candidate, or Pennsylvania 18, Trump voters stayed home. You had over 600,000 Trump voters stay home in Alabama. You had in, in Pennsylvania 18, you had over 102,000 Trump voters stay home. The, in Ohio 12, the Republicans actually won by one point. But the president came in while that candidate, Balderson, was losing and brought him over the finish line. But still 104,000 Trump voters didn't vote. So in a state like Florida, to, and in a state like Arizona, where the president won, the midterm election turnout will be lower, but we have to get the Trump people out. And we have a new national poll that we just did where the president has a 48 percent job approval. The, the uh, 41 percent say the country's headed in the right direction higher than when, whenever Obama was president. Well, I think, term. yeah, but you got to look at it. If 80 percent of blue collar workers. Now, that doesn't say Democrats, mm-hmm. blue collar American who said their lives are going in the right direction right now. That, to me, is Wisconsin, Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Florida. I think it's all of it in one. Those are the voters that that we we got out. Go ahead, Are you saying those are the voters that came out in 2016 or yesterday? 2016. It was the it was the Trump campaign. Do you here's the question. Do you see President Trump? He's obviously a charismatic figure. Uh, well, no doubt a polarizing one, especially with this, quote, resistance. But will Trump voters get up and get out to stop Democratic impeachment? Will stop open borders? Will stop the continuation of Obamacare? Democrats running and wanting their crumbs back and ending the investigations into the biggest abuse of power in history. Will they get out for that? Let me let me read you one question and then punt to Doug, because we answer you. more. Punting is not allowed on this show. Go ahead. Okay, I'll I'll yield. Are, Are you more or less likely to vote for a Republican for Congress who endorses President Trump's legislative contract to make America great again, which includes term limits for Congress, paid parental leave, workfare, making tax cuts permanent. 50% of all voters more likely, 34 less likely, including of those who are undecided for Congress, it's three to two that they're more likely, and independents, 45 to 31 more likely. If if the members of Congress, whose job rating is worse than the president, they only have, they have a, their, their disapproval is over 50%, and there's, if they stand for what the president stands for on issues like Ron DeSantis did, the Trump voters will be back out. If they don't vote on those things, if they don't have a contract to make America great again in this November, they will stay home. But with that, Doug, Doug will tell you it's about issues. Same thing for his party. Yeah, but the problem it's absolutely is absolutely yeah. about issues. I hope my party does not campaign on impeachment as Andrew Gillum is. It's a recipe for disaster. And so far, Sean, the polling is showing Democrats are more motivated than Republicans. And the dirty little secret of the of the election is if the Republicans are able to get out a message about the economy, they have a fighting chance to maximize their vote. But if they're all over the place and if too much talk is about uh, ancillary issues, the net beneficiary will be the Democrats. 
We'll take a break more with our pollsters, John McLaughlin, Doug Schoen, 800-941-SEAN is our number. All right, as we continue with the pollsters, John McLaughlin, founder and pollster, McLaughlin Associates, Doug Schoen, pollster, author, political analyst, Fox News contributor. Um, I want to go to where we left off, and if the Republicans do what you're saying, John, they're going to nationalize the election, basically sum up the Trump agenda, and they're going to run on that united Absolutely. That's the only path for them to really win, because the Democrats' path is obstruction. And and Doug's point about, do you think the economy is getting better or worse? The majority of Americans, 54 percent this week, said it's getting better. Only 36 said worse. So they have an economy to run on that's working. Why don't they vote on making the Trump tax cuts permanent like the president wants? Mitch McConnell said they're not going to do that because it'll give the Democrats a chance to vote for it. They're not going to vote for it. You gotta, you gotta have issues. They gotta have votes in September and October. Right, let me give. I, I agree with you. I think you're right on the money. And I think if uh, the Republicans do just that, Doug, they win and they'll hold the House and they'll pick up Senate seats. Yeah, those are big ifs. I think the Senate will probably stay uh, Republican, Sean. If I had to bet, I think the dirty little secret is most of the congressmen who are in marginal districts they've either retired uh or are frankly polling a lot less well than the president and the party lacks at least in the voters mind a coherent national republican agenda notwithstanding the very good economic news that the polls indeed reflect yeah well i think you both are very close and in more agreement than you even mentioned um, thank you both for being with us. We'll be checking in a lot after Labor Day as we're only 60 day, 69 days away from the most important midterm election, I think, in our lifetime. But Democrats, to me, they don't have a single positive thing they're running on, not one. It's all about hating Trump and keeping Obamacare, open borders, impeachment, and wanting their crumbs back. It's simple. This is a, this is a straight up and down, you know, what do you want for the future of the country vote? Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. In the final hour of the Sean Hannity Show. Sources telling ABC News President Trump's former lawyer Michael Cohen says then-candidate Trump knew about that meeting with the Russians in Trump Tower before it happened. Ready to deliver the goods, now claiming the president knew and approved of the Trump Tower meeting with his top campaign aides and a Russian promising dirt on Hillary Clinton. President Trump's former personal attorney is ready to tell the special counsel that then-candidate Trump knew in advance about a 2016 meeting at Trump Tower. The president's former attorney and confidant is ready to talk. Sources say that Michael Cohen may now be actually willing to share his story with the special counsel. Straight ahead, what Michael Cohen, Trump's once most loyal advisor, is saying really happened. We're going to move on now to that stunning political news overnight. Fiercely denying the explosive allegation. These explosive new allegations. That bombshell claim out of Washington this morning. Bombshell. The stunning new claims Donald Trump knew about a 2016 meeting at Trump Tower. Well, Chris, tonight, sources with knowledge tell myself and Carl that Michael Cohen claims that then-candidate Donald Trump knew in advance about the June 2016 meeting in Trump Tower in which Russians were expected to offer his campaign dirt on Hillary Clinton. Crucially, these sources tell us that Cohen is willing to make that assertion to the special counsel, Robert Mueller. It's very, very significant because the president has denied any foreknowledge uh, of this event and this meeting goes to the question of intent to collude. You've been saying for a year that we need to follow the money, follow the lies, and figure out this cover-up. 
So how did you do it in this case? Talk to us about how you got this reporting. Huh. <laughs> well, I talked to sources. Cohen was saying that Donald Trump, the candidate for president of the United States at the time, had authorized the go-ahead for that meeting to take place with his son. You were just on with Wolf Blitzer, and you said that Michael Cohen was present for a meeting with then-candidate Trump and his son Don Jr. about the Trump Tower meeting. This is obviously an incredibly important issue. You've also said that Michael Cohen testified truthfully to the Senate Intelligence Committee, and according to the chair and the vice chair of the committee, he told them that he had no knowledge of the meeting until he saw it in the press. How can both those things be true? Either he knew about the meeting or he didn't know about the meeting. Well, I think um, the reporting of this story got mixed up and in the course of a criminal investigation we were not the source of the story and in the course of a criminal investigation uh, the advice we were given uh, those of us dealing with the media is that we could not do anything other than uh, stay silent um in other words never mind forget everything that we just reported the funniest thing about that is that cnn fake news they're standing by the story even though the source for the story says the story is not true you can't even begin to make this up anyway news roundup information overload hour jonathan gillum uh, author of the bestseller, Sheep No More, Danielle McLaughlin, attorney, and Kevin Jackson, producer, by the way, of Bleeding Blue, which is, what is that, a new documentary or a movie you're doing? Yeah, Sean, movie coming out. You can see it at bleedingbluemovie.com, opens September 7th. And What's the movie market. about? It, it's a stunner. Um, we, we give you a revelation about Ferguson that you've never heard. We talk about policing during the Obama era why police do it. We cover the media's impact. Whoa, whoa, whoa. On it. What did we learn about Ferguson that we never knew I, before? I can't tell you. you got to see the film. But well, I why, you. why can't you tell me? There's only me, you, 575 <laughs> stations and a few million people. Come on. What's the difference? Yeah, well, hey, Sean, here's the deal. I wanted you to be my main guy on this because you need to lead the revolution of movies, of getting people out of Hollywood and coming over and looking at films Listen, like people don't. Let me tell you something. Movies, Hollywood doesn't know it yet. They're dead. It's over. The era of Hollywood um, and the influence they once had is waning quickly. And all of these independent producers of films, and I did one, and I got to tell you, it was a, a great experience in many ways. But I'm going to tell you, it's over. They, they, John, they're I'm not going to be you, able to you, monopolize the culture the way they have up to this point. Exactly, but you need to be that guy, and and I'm telling you this. I talk, I've been telling all your. You're right. I don't have you, enough. Jo- I don't have enough work on my plate. Just you know. <laughs> well, anyway, look. I want people to go check it out. Go to the website bleedingboomovie.com, and if they want to sponsor a theater opening, go check it out. You know, do that. Get get in contact with us. But here's what I will tell you. It'll be the one of the best documentaries. I honestly, believe it'll be the best one. Well, I'm going to tell you seen. right now. I know of. I, I know more than I can say, but I love what you're doing. I, and I haven't seen the movie yet. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to give you an honest opinion. And okay. uh, send me a DVD. I won't tell anybody, okay? All right, will do. All right, let me start with Danielle McLaughlin. Now, Danielle starts every interview with, oh, hello, Sean. Hello, Jonathan. How are you, Kevin? It's so nice to talk to you. And then she Always ends up. Pleasure. And then, <laughs> then I'll ask her a question about, you know, whether or not, you know, the, the, the liberal representation of that Trump Tower meeting is one just great example of media hype, hysteria, the sheep that they are living in a bubble, talking to themselves, and you'll find a nice way to defend them. Hey, Sean, so 
John. <laughs> hey, Jonathan. Hey, hey Kevin. Exactly. Always Kevin. a pleasure. Yeah, right, always a pleasure. <laughs> it is. It is. It is, despite the fact that we fight every week. So there's a mechanism in the media for 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 bringing something back or taking a story back that's called a retraction. CNN has not done a retraction. They say they have multiple sources for the story. I think what Lanny Davis did was completely unacceptable, uh, not only as a human being, but as a lawyer. He has certain, you know, obligations. I, I'm a lawyer. I take these these things very seriously. Listen, I, I, but there's Lanny a mechanism is, for this. You, if you want to understand Lanny, you have to accept one thing about Lanny Davis. He is heart and soul Clinton. It just is a part of his DNA. I, you know, when Clinton was running for president, I said, I'm not going to waste my time putting you on the show because there's no point. Because he's, he's going to defend anything regarding the Clintons. And any kind of respects that I'm honest with him. But, you know, I still I cannot believe he said the words about Michael Coney, never accept a pardon. What lawyer would ever say that? Well, <laughs> I think a lawyer who who thinks that his client has information and his client won't hey, need a pardon. Hey, Danielle. Honestly. Danielle, this was a non-cooperative deal. There's no cooperation as part of it. Remember, if Mueller thought he was such a key witness, he wouldn't have passed him to the Southern District of New York. The Southern District made a non-cooperative deal with the guy. That means they're not expecting, because Michael Cohn testified under oath to the opposite. He said it in repeated interviews, the opposite. So even if he's saying the the other side of it now, and I don't think he is, and I think that's why Lanny backed off, even if he was saying it now, he's on the record saying the opposite repeatedly. You know, Michael Cohen is going to jail for three years. He's going to have enormous financial penalties. Maybe he just wants to come out the other side and start his, start his life again. Okay, but, yeah, look, the, but you're not answering my question. Yeah, go ahead. Can I, can I interrupt? Look, why can't people on the left just answer a question? If you'd ask me that question about if the situation were reversed, I would just answer you a very simple yes. Uh, Lanny Davis... You know, screwed the pooch. They they set this thing up and made it appear as though Donald Trump was the bat, the fall guy, and it was the wrong thing to do. It was completely wrong. The left I did say it was wrong. Admit- I did, Kevin. I completely admitted that what he did was both unacceptable as a human and as a lawyer. So don't put words in my mouth, right? I did not stand up for what Lanny Davis did. What he said to CNN is completely unacceptable, and I'm going to call it the way I see it. Well, it's not just Lanny Davis. We're talking about the entire leftist propaganda machine that continues to live on this lie. By the way, they're living on a lot of lies. They're living on the lie of Russian collusion. They're living on the lie that they're going to win the midterms because they they live on the lie that black people aren't going to vote for Trump, that millennials aren't going to vote for Trump, and so on and so forth. It is nothing but just a can of worms. Well, wait a minute. Why are you so confident that in 69 days the Republicans hold the House and Senate? Because I'm not that confident. Sean, I got to tell you, you when I people, say I'm not that confident, I just don't have a feel yet for how this is going to go. That's what oh, I mean by you that. You know, here, here's a problem with with the folks that are in the big cities. And, you know, look, no offense in the circles that you move in. But look, I'm down here, you know, talking to ordinary people and I'm asking these folks what matters to you. And what you find out is they don't give a crap about Manafort. They don't give a crap about Cohen. They don't care what they care about is the everyday thing that people that get up every day, take their kids to school, pick them up from school, run them around, you know, to various sporting events and things like that care about. They care the fact the, about the, the notion, Sean, that they have job mobility. They care that they actually are building bank accounts. Uh, I, there was a, a, a thing that went out just recently that said the black entrepreneurship has increased. Now, they used the number of 400 percent under Trump, and it was debunked by PolitiFact. And they said, well, we didn't have a large enough sample. Well, let me give you a sample. 
I talk to black folks every day starting businesses, and they say, Kevin, I couldn't have done this under Obama. I'm doing this under Trump. I got a little breathing room in my paycheck. This is what you're hearing when you get outside of the Beltway, outside of big city. And by the way, Danielle and anybody else that's listening out there, when you get outside of the big city, the air is clean and the people are friendly. Let me Just bring so th- you know, Kevin, I know you need to bring Jonathan in, but I want you to know that when I first moved to this country, I live in Colorado. I've lived in Massachusetts. I'm a pretty ordinary well, person. Well, slow down. Neither By the way, kids. I'm shocked. Colorado, <laughs> Rocky, Colorado. what'd you live in? You lived in Boulder <laughs> and you lived in downtown Boston. No, I, di- <laughs> I didn't. I lived. I actually lived in a ski town. I was a ski bum. I was a ski bum. And, uh, so what'd you live in, Aspen? Who do that. I lived near Vail. Okay, I went to uh, Aspen once. I couldn't (laughs) breathe, and I couldn't wait to get out of there. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of Aspen. Uh, I will tell you this much. But, you know, there's plenty of ordinary people who have different opinions. That's all I'm going to say. All right, Jonathan, let's bring you you into this. Go talk to these people in in South South Dallas. Go talk to the folks on the south side of of St. Louis, in the north side of St. Louis, which is where I used to live. Look, no offense to where you live in those cities. You're not talking to black folks. You're not talking to the people that I'm talking to. You're not talking to the demographic that has been a slave to the left. And they are changing. You're looking at the poll numbers, and the Democrats disregard it. Oh, you know what? There's no way Donald Trump went from nine points. All right, you guys stay right points. there because you're you're talking a lot. And poor Jonathan Gillum is sitting there patiently, hasn't said a word. And we're even going to carry this through the half hour. Stay with us. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean is our number. And as we continue with Jonathan Gillum, Danielle McLaughlin, and our friend Kevin Jackson. By the way, there's a movie coming out. I think he said September the seventh. Bleeding blue. Is that the right date or? That is the right date, Sean. All right. Um, and I guess it's going to be a movie theaters or online. Where do you get it? Yeah, there's, there's theaters where you can get it. Um, you have to get it through Eventbrite because we couldn't, you know, theaters, even though we paid more money than most of these other uh, Hollywood people, we, um, we they won't carry our tickets. So we have to do our own. Now, tickets once people Eventbrite. find out about it, people will seek out good entertainment. All right. But let me get back to this whole issue of uh, the news that we were bringing up earlier. So. Lanny Davis, you know, is the source of a story. He retracts being the source and says, no, what I said isn't true. And then CNN fake news, Jonathan, just keeps running the story. I mean, how do you have any credibility as a news organization? And they pick the most partisan guy, you know, Carl Bernstein, who hates Donald Trump and all things Trump, but just pretty much like the network does. Um, and they won't back off and apologize and, and retract the story. Well, it's no surprise to me, uh, Sean, because, uh, you know, I was a CNN contributor for a little bit, and um, it's nonsense what goes on over there. I was banished because I got into an argument with Peter Bergen because he wanted to say false accusations against Christianity when we were talking about Islam uh, on one uh, conversation. CNN is what people have to remember is that when they wrote the Constitution and they said, uh, freedom of the press. They were talking about the printing press. They weren't talking about media as we know it. Media as we know it is a business, and these people are in the business of, and I've been saying this for a long time, I think it's starting to come to fruition now. They're in the business of communism through socialism. They are in bed with Bernie Sanders and all these other people. Look what's happening in Florida now with the governor. Uh, a, a potential socialist governor if, if a Democrat gets elected. You have this girl up in the Bronx. The fact is what CNN does is propaganda. And what they're doing with this is the same thing that uh, that has been done by uh, political propaganda experts throughout the you know years and centuries 
is they just keep repeating it. And CNN has figured this out. The only people that are angry about this, Sean, are people that want to know the truth or conservatives. The rest of the country that watches CNN regularly, they're not concerned with it. They believe what CNN is saying. So they're well, let, not me, let me just retract. answer you in one thing, because I, I am a, a talk show host and I'm in the media. And a talk yeah. show host is like the whole newspaper. In other words, we're news, uh, where we do local news, we do national news, we do politics, we also give opinion, we also do other topics. We're everything but the cartoon page. But journalists are supposed to be journalists. You know, we do investigative journalism, we do journalism and news, but we also do all the other things. So I don't say I'm a journalist, I'm a talk show host, but that encompasses journalism and investigative reporting. Now, I say this because you're right, it's a business, but... I don't say things just for the business aspect of it. I, 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 you have to be sincere in what you believe, especially if you're giving opinions. But they don't. Well, but they claim to be something they're not. Now that's the interesting thing that you just said right there. That has has actually um, kind of come about in the modern age. Is that you know, and I'm a I host your show. I host over on Sirius XM. Uh, with um, uh, with uh, Andrew Wilkow and David Webb, you have Mark Levin. The, the, all of you, all of us, we speak more truth. I mean, what we give is educated opinion or facts. And what you see on these quote-unquote news networks like CNN and MSNBC is more unfactuated uh, opinion then you actually get um all right we'll continue if you notice we gave jonathan that whole segment alone but we'll also add in danielle and kevin jackson again on the other side 800-941-SHAWN is our toll-free telephone number we'll also get your calls in next half hour promise quick break right back we'll wrap things up with our panel and then get to the phones all right 25 till the top of the hour we'll get to your calls here in a minute wrapping things up with jonathan gillum danielle mclaughlin kevin uh, jackson with us kevin you made the statement earlier that you're confident that there's not going to be a blue wave. You're confident Republicans will keep the House and Senate. I am. I myself am hopeful, but I don't have a feel for it now. And what I like to remind people before any election, and we're 69 days away from what I'm labeling the single most important midterm in our lifetime, is that, you know, there are a lot of events that are going to happen in the next 69 days that could impact this election. One thing I would expect is a Mueller report and a Giuliani report. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be nice to have those. Well, the reason for my confidence is the, the liberals suffer from this uh, fallacy, Sean. They have a, it's called the fallacy of, of, of uh, the idea that they cannot believe the lie. They, they don't understand what's really happening to them, and they can't accept their, their so-called truth. So you look at everything that's pointing to Donald Trump winning, the fact that no, nothing is impacting him in the polls. Kurt, Katie Turr the other day was incredulous. She says, look at the terrible week that Donald Trump had, and it isn't impacting him in the polls. And the very next guy came on and says, well, that number, his approval rating is low. And now let's understand, Sean, we all know what the polls meant in 2016. Absolutely nothing. Trump won. Look at any demographic. Look at all the things happening in the country. Positive. 96% of Google's news that we want to read gets to us from, from leftists. 92% of the news to Donald Trump, and they can't move him in the polls down. Well, this is what we know for sure, Danielle. And I think that Kevin makes a good point. Look, I'm hopeful, but I'm just not there yet. And it's simple. Democrats, if they win, they want to impeach the president. Democrats, if they win, they will start endless investigations. They want open borders, eliminate ICE. They want to keep Obamacare. They want their crumbs back and they want to stop all the investigations from all the help their friends in the deep state gave them. 
I can't you can't name a single thing that they're proposing that would make the lives of the American people better because Donald Trump has succeeded based on every measure we can come up with. We've seen success and promises kept. Well, sure. I mean, I think there have been some great economic news. I think we're looking at 4% growth. There's been some great growth numbers out there, and I'm not going to deny the president those great numbers. I think Democrats would be foolish uh, to impeach before or try to impeach before the Mueller investigation concludes because the American people are relying on that. And as it relates to you know media and this idea that Google has this liberal bias, the American people are smart, Kevin, and, and I don't think you give them enough credit. You know, read broadly, listen broadly. Um, Jonathan, to your point, we have folks in media across the spectrum who are edu- giving educated opinion and giving facts. So, you know what? My best advice is to listen uh, to a broad variety of news sources and go out and care about the issues that you go out and vote on the issues you care about. Let me give Jonathan the last word today. Jonathan. I, I would suggest that everybody stops the bickering between this left and right and realize that we are all Americans and we have to vote for sustainment of freedom. And the Democrat Party has fallen. They are moving to the socialist side, and we can't allow that to happen. Even if you're liberal, you can't allow it to happen. So go out, vote for the Republican Party, and then we can work on parties if we need to, although I don't believe in parties, but we can work on things. If you vote Democrat and we get these people in office, our freedoms as we know it are going to start to deteriorate. It's a big election, 69 days. Uh, Hopefully Kevin's right. And that would be up to the American people. Kevin, congrats on the movies. Danielle, thank you. Jonathan, always a pleasure. Let's get to our busy telephones. Tony is in Florida today. Tony, where in Florida are you? Welcome to the program. Uh, I'm in Jacksonville, Florida, Sean. Uh, WOKV. By the way, huge wins for DeSantis and for Rick Scott yesterday. Big wins. Very big. The voting turnout was outstanding. We need that again come the midterms. That Uh, is important. Listen, it's a... I think that Trump's people will go out because I think they understand how serious the Democrats are about literally pushing America back to the Obama years. And they do want to impeach the president. It's not even a question anymore. Yeah, we don't need that. And let me tell you about the tweets. When the president tweets, it makes the people feel like you're part of the government. It makes people feel like you know what's going on. It keeps the book open so we can understand better, just as um, Greg Jarrett's book. He needs to start writing another one. Uh, well, let me, let me, I'll tell you, I was at one point in the lead up to the election in 2016, I was on the you got to stop the Twitter stuff. You got to stop. And I told the candidate, you got to stop. I said, you know, I, I don't think it's serving you well. But with that said, I agree with you. I mean, he has an ability to totally and completely and utterly bypass the corrupt news media, go directly to the people. There's one other thing that I think is associated with that is, you know, people have are now understanding that Trump is Trump. He's not Bush. He's not Obama. He's himself. And he's the antithesis of your average politician. Your average politician tries to hide all of their faults, all of their mistakes, if you will. Trump leads with them, and there's nothing that he doesn't say. And I think the American people have caught on to his style, his cadence, and his tone. And that's why when the media feigns outrage every day, it's just because they can't transform him into who they want him to be. And so they feign all this outrage. And I think the president, to his credit, sticks to his guns, and I think the American people get him. And I think that's all good. If the people do not believe that that man does not have the best interest of this country in his heart, 
they're crazy because even with the trade agreements, if we're going to make money, he's going to make money for them also. It goes both ways. You know, and all this collusion business, you know, who are those people going to answer to? They're going to answer to us, we the people. I'm a former Marine. I do what I have to to keep my country safe. Domestic is the problem this time, not foreign. We have to get this straightened out, and we have to get it straightened out now. I'm getting tired of hearing the name Hillary Clinton. They need to be put away for good. Well, the re- you know, Scarborough complained there's no no former presidential candidate that's been treated as badly as her. And I, the only thing I'll say to liberal Joe is it's not really about her. It's about the whether we'll have in this country equal justice under the law. It's about the things that she's done and should be held accountable for. You're going to hold people accountable for their for every word they put in a loan application and every tax return, it better be, you know, 100 percent accurate, which, by the way, I highly recommend for every pay your taxes and and be honest in loan applications. I think those that's just basic. Well, but if you're going to do that, then she's got to be held accountable for her obstruction, for the phony dossier she paid for that was used to lie to the American people, her actions against Bernie Sanders. Uh, she has earned the the criticism and the call for equal justice under the law and equal application of our laws. So um, I, I hear what you're saying totally. Thank you, Tony. You got to move on, though. Let's go to William is in Atlanta. News Talk WSB. What's up? How are you, William? Welcome to the program. Hey, Sean. Thank you for having me on my call. Quick comment and question. Uh, I want to talk to you today about more confidence for November and some insurance. We all know Peter Stroke said he had an insurance policy that would keep Trump from becoming president. But I personally think uh, President Trump has a better insurance policy than that, and that would be the current classified documents that uh, Rob Rosenstein refuses to hand over. Well, we've got 302s that I'm told were changed, especially as it relates to General Flynn and others. You know, we keep unpeeling the layers of the onion. We told you all about Bruce Orr yesterday and the relationship with uh, Christopher Steele and the, the work that his wife did and the testimony that he gave and the idea that he didn't testify before Mueller and the fact that even he recognized that the Steele dossier couldn't be used in a court of law, but yet it was. I mean, we, we have four instances of a fraud perpetrated on the court for the purpose of getting into the opposition party candidate's campaign, which they did. Here's my question. Here's my question, Sean. If declassifying these documents could possibly derail the Mueller witch hunt, get Sessions and Rosenstein fired, destroy the impeach Trump fake news, which would be great, and then preserve the balance of power in Congress, and here's the big one, here's the big one, find an AG that will form a second special counsel. Why do you think President Trump hasn't played that card to declassify those documents? And Sean, he likes you. He listens to you. Encourage him to do this before. Listen, I've, done, I've said it on TV. So has uh, so have people like Greg Jarrett and Sarah Carter and all these other Joe DeGeneva, the great one, Mark Levin. We have a, a cadre, if you will, of, of real patriots that have been digging and digging and digging. This is a team effort here, an ensemble cast, if you will, that we're doing, you know, all of this uncovering. I'm very proud of the work that all my friends have done here. And trust me, I think all of that is going to happen and I think the president understands it completely. It's just a matter of, I guess, when he decides to do it. And I would do it sooner than later. I wouldn't do it in August. I'd do it after Labor Day because, you know, a lot of people are on vacation in August. Um, thanks, William. Appreciate it. Let's go back to our phones. Don is in North Carolina. What's up, Don? How are you? Glad you called. 
Hey, Sean, thanks for taking my call. I'm I may be going down to down see down. my buddy Mark Meadows this weekend down in North Carolina. Yeah. yeah. yeah the weather should be nice. Come on down. But, uh, but yeah, I just had a, a question as far as the, the DNC server. You know, they never they never released it. They had their own company, CrowdStrike, you know, review it. Why wasn't that subpoenaed, and why wasn't that talked about in the IG report? Because if you're going to start with the investigation, that's the first thing that happened. That why was, was it ever confirmed. allowed? How, how, how do you mm-hmm. say to the FBI, no, we'll do it ourselves? It raises exactly. a lot of suspicions in my mind. But again, you know, if, if I would have told you two years ago, Comey, McCabe, Strzok, Page, Yates, Orr, and all of these other people— you know, 25 top FBI DOJ officials fired, demoted, leaving because they don't want to be caught up in the mess that they know they created and the corruption and the abuse of power. The answer is, I don't know the answer, except that we do know that that it was brought in-house, meaning that Jim Comey literally took it from the field offices of the FBI. The field offices are the FBI guys that do their job. These are the people that are proud of that organization that would never do anything like what we have now been covering. That's the 99%. But the upper echelon, those that have the power, brought it into their own sphere where they allowed the FBI to be politicized, where literally they exonerated somebody without really investigating them, even though we all know they committed crimes. These are the same people that launched this phony Russia investigation, and now we know you know, from Bruce Orr's testimony even yesterday, they knew that his wife worked. He told the the upper echelon in the FBI all that was going on, and they allowed him to be a conduit before, during, and after the election with Christopher Steele. Now we know Christopher Steele was literally working with Bruce Orr to try and funnel the dossier he didn't even believe in to, to mm-hmm. even the special counsel, Robert Mueller, in his office. It stinks to high heaven. The whole thing, it's disgusting to me. And it, by the way, the rank-and-file FBI guys that I know, that I talk to on a regular basis, they're disgusted. They keep telling me, don't stop, keep going. There's literally 50 of them that are dying to testify as to what they know, and they need to be subpoenaed to do so. And hopefully that's the, listen, it's just as the wheels of justice in this case go very slow, but every single day we keep chipping away on peeling the layers of the onion. And we've gotten, we got so much progress this week. It's hard to even really fully completely understand it. Well, thank you for all you do, Sean. All right, my friend. Thank you. I uh, hope that answers your question. Uh, let's say hi to Jim in Pennsylvania. Jim, how are you? Hi, Hannity. Uh, Yes, it's an honor to be on your show. Um, Yes, I'm calling because uh, you talked yesterday to to someone who uh, was wondering how to get things going, and you said to vote in November. But, you know, I'm looking at the fact that right now we control the White House, the Senate, the House of Representatives. You know, we we have everything, and really the best we can do in November is just to continue with what we have. We should be seeing things happening right away. You know, what what Well, but this is it's a bigger picture than that. Let me let me see if I can help you with your question because this is important the democrats agenda they there's not one single thing that they're campaigning on that will benefit the men and women in this country this president has gotten rid of burdensome regulation you see the the economic numbers on every measure are amazing the tax cuts that he gave us the push to build the wall to protect us his foreign policy the democrats want to impeach this man they want to undo the 2016 election and stop all progress. They want endless investigations if they have the gavel. 
Then, of course, they want open borders. They want to get rid of ICE. They want to keep Obamacare. They want their crumbs back. They want to end the investigations into the deep state. So there's a lot riding on it. The Republicans, whether they're rhinos or not, are not going to go along with that. There is some level of, you know, that alone is worth its weight in gold this election, to, and from, in my mind. Because then the president continues to govern, and that is key, and it stops them from the, the, the scandal that they have been involved in, the scandals that they have been involved in. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. We're loaded up. We have a lot more follow-up and more details about Bruce Orr's seven hours of testimony and a follow-up story by Sarah Carter, Sarah Gregg, John Solomon tonight, Kellyanne Conway, Sean Spicer, Michelle Malkin, Victoria Tunsing, and Jason Chaffetz. All coming up tonight. News, I promise, it's blowing it wide open. Finally. Yeah, finally. When is, when is Mueller going to look into lying to FISA court judges with Russian propaganda. When? We'll see you tonight at 9, back here tomorrow. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.